When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Red or Dead, a bi-weekly podcast where we talk about the world of mysteries and thrillers. This is episode 146, and we are recording on Tuesday, February 7th. I'm Katie McLean Horner, along with Kendra Winchester, and we are coming to you from Book Riot. Hi, Kendra. How are you doing on this Tuesday? I am doing all right. How are you? Well, I'm I'm here. (laughs) (laughs) Boy, doesn't that just say everything? I'm, I'm like, okay, I'm here. I'm upright. I'm facing the right direction. <laughs> we're going to call it a win. I think so. I'm a wee bit sleep deprived, but we're just going to power through it and hopefully go to bed early tonight. Sounds like a plan. I mean, that sounds like <laughs> it sounds like a middle-aged dream to me. I'm ready for it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now, it's yeah, just one of, one of those days. We had a few days of sunshine here in the Chicago area which is obviously unusual for this time of year. We had we had sun on Groundhog Day, and so I'm like, oh, so yeah, another another six weeks of winter apparently. But I did enjoy the sun, and then today was just really gray and gloomy, and everyone at work was just practically like falling over. They were so tired. So yeah, just one of those February days. <laughs> We've uh, had so much rain, it's so muddy, and so I'm constantly doing laundry with the corgis, and they get to play outside, they love it, of course. Uh, But I have all these little palm marks on my floor. I'm just so thankful I don't have carpet, like I would (laughs) would be cleaning, but at least they're having a good time, and that's the important thing, right? They're having a good time on hardwood surfaces. You know, makes and brings them joy, sure, why not? (laughs) Yeah, and my husband has definitely said whenever we own our own place or we at least move out of where we are currently living, he's like, no more carpet. (laughs) We have both just had it up to here with carpet. I concur. Yeah, and I mean, our cats don't go outside, but, you know, cats and hairballs and carpet just are not a good mix. And... My cats like to eat the carpet fibers. One of them will scratch it up like he'll sharpen his claws on the carpet. Deanie sharpens his claws. And then we think Gilbert comes along and then eats up, eats the torn up carpet fibers. That's a delightful combo. I it mean. really is. Neither <laughs> of them are very smart at all. Like, <laughs> uh, No thoughts, just vibes. <laughs> yeah, no, honestly. I mean, and Gilbert's old, but I'm like, look, you've got, he's going to be 17 this spring in My May. Goodness. And I'm just like, look, if you've lived 17 years, you have to have gained some life experience. Haven't you figured out that, <laughs> like, carpet fibers do not agree with you? No. No, no, he hasn't. Same with the, like, I think they're the the honey locust leaves, these little yellow leaves that fall from the trees in, like, early fall. 
And we have a bunch of those trees right by our front door. And we, anytime anyone comes over, we're like, you have to scrape off your shoes. You cannot track those in because Gilbert will go down to the entryway. He will eat them and they will come back up. And he has not learned (laughs) that these are not healthy for him. Oh, my stars. Well, we have learned a lesson. No leaves or carpet fibers. That sounds like a good lesson to me. (laughs) Yeah. Good life lesson for everyone. Lay off the carpet fibers. I think we should talk about books now. <laughs> my I think sleep, so. <laughs> my sleep deprivation is starting to kick in, and I think we should. I, I need something to get me back, back on track. So, what have you been reading lately? Well, I'm currently reading Venko by Sherry Dimeline, and this is a. I don't know. It feels sort of like a dark fantasy slash horror novel. There is certainly violence happening. So I'm not exactly sure where on the spectrum that this lands, but I am very much enjoying it. It's about basically a coven of witches trying to find all of the chosen witches and this very old guy trying to murder the witches before they're found and they come into their full power, you know, that kind of story. But I think it's really well told. Uh, Dimeline is a Métis author. So like the author, the protagonist is Métis and from, I believe she's living in Toronto, Canada, when the novel starts. So would recommend. Yeah, I am. Now all of my digital audiobook holds are starting to come in. And so I'm having to do some hold reorganization. But I recently started listening to How to Sell a Haunted House by Grady Hendrix, which you know, like like your pick, it's definitely on the uh, horror spectrum, although I'm not terribly far into the book. So we've only had little snippets of creepiness. Right now, the setup is focusing on the main character and her brother, who are adults, and their parents have just died in a car accident. And the first part of the book is really diving into the real, like, if you ha- already have a dysfunctional family dynamic, the ways in which death and planning, the after-death planning can really bring out the dysfunction, like, that's really what we're steeped in right now. And that, I mean, that to me is just as horrifying as a haunted house, quite frankly. I'm reading this just just having just like, oh my gosh, this is almost too much for me. This, this is, the real life horrors are almost worse than the supernatural ones. But in this book, their mother was a, she, she was a, an entertainer, she did, she had a puppet ministry where the, she would perform at churches doing, like, retelling Bible stories with this army of puppets. And she, there are just tons of dolls and puppets in the house. And that would be creepy. You can tell early on that the dolls and puppets are sentient or they're possessed or something. I haven't quite figured out what the specifics are. But even in the just the brief glimpses we've gotten so far, the it is very, very creepy. Uh, that sounds insanely creepy. As someone who was on a church's puppet team, I can guarantee that those things are terrifying. Mm-hmm. So I would, <laughs> fun fact, uh, obscure talent. Um, yeah, no. No, just no. I'm not sure I could read that now. I'm like, that is like that and clowns. Yeah, it's kind of a combination of the two. And I was going to say it's set in Charleston, which I know you've you have lived in that area, not in Charleston proper, but in your in your previous neck of the woods in South Carolina. So 
This yeah. one, this one, this one might literally hit a little close to home for you. Yeah, yeah. I, I, and, you know, Grady Hendrix is. I love the combination of humor, um, violence, and horror that he has going on. But that's a lot. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, just as a heads up, if any of you were thinking of giving this a shot, but have a really deep seated fear of dolls, puppets, clowns, anything along those lines. Just be forewarned. I personally, I cannot stand dolls and puppets and dummies. Yeah. And ugh. But I also like to torture myself. So, you know. <laughs> oh, what a winning combination. I know, isn't it? <laughs> Great mental health choices. <laughs> yeah, I, I know, I know. I, I, am, I am such an enigma sometimes. But yeah, so I am, the audiobook is very well done. Very much enjoying it. And trying to juggle the other holds that are coming in. But I think this one will be will be a good pick. But yeah, that's How to Sell a Haunted House by Grady Hendrix. And with that, let's take a quick pause for our first sponsor. All right. So if you are new to the show, welcome. We are so excited to have you. If you are one of our many longtime listeners, welcome back. We are always delighted to welcome you back every two weeks when you put us into your ear holes. There's got to be a better way to say that. Anyway, (laughs) we talk about mysteries and suspense and thrillers and true crime and just about anything that falls under that ginormous umbrella. And if you have listened to the show before, you know that this is always the part where we put out a call to our listeners to let us know if you have any suggestions for upcoming episodes, because they really, truly help us plan out so many of the previous shows that we've done in the past. This can be anything from exploring a new subgenre that we haven't talked about yet or don't talk about enough author read-alikes. We can talk about true crime updates that are happening in the news, movie adaptations, awards, just pretty much if it's mysterious or suspenseful, it is fair game for us to potentially talk about. And it's a great way for us to know what you, the listeners, would like to hear more of. It's a great way for us to expand our own reading horizons. So we always love hearing from you. So if you have any suggestions or recommendations, you can shoot us an email or reach out via social media and you don't have to get that information down right now we always put our contact information at the end of the show and in the show notes we just like to get those creative juices flowing while you listen and even if you don't have an idea and just want to give us a shout out we love that as well we'd love hearing from our listeners in any way shape or form and if you enjoy this podcast definitely hop on over to apple podcasts and leave us a review so that other people can find us And so for this episode, there's not much happening in the news world. Uh, Yeah, news world. Sure. We'll go with that. Um, Not yeah, Nothing too big on the horizon right now. So I think we'll just kind of jump into our our episode, which Kendra, I think I think you were the one (laughs) who came up (laughs) with the idea because we were struggling. We're like, what are we talking about next week? And you're like, how about just vibes? Yeah, yeah. Well, I was thinking of just because I always love a book with a spooky vibe, and I don't know how best to describe that or or give it any sort of definition. So we came up with like sinister vibes would be our theme books that just really have this sense of I don't know this atmosphere that is super creepy, super sinister. You never know what's going on, and so we have a very eclectic bunch today. But I think they all fit the bill. Yeah. Yeah, and I sometimes when I'm reading or I'm looking for something to read, 
sometimes I'm super specific. I'm like, okay, I know I want to, I want to read this type of book, or I'm really in the mood for, you know, an author read alike, or, you know, I just have an idea. Other times I'm just kind of like, I can't describe it, but I'll know it when I read it, which is not helpful if I'm asking someone to help me find a book. But sometimes you just, you need a book that just kind of hits you in the right spot. Yeah. And I think, well, I know I've read multiple books over the years, especially with this idea of sinister vibes that just really hit that sweet spot. And you don't always know it when you start the book and you don't always, you can't always describe it, I don't think. You just know when a book hits really well for you. And that's kind of how I went how I went with with this in terms of choosing my books. Now, did you when you when we decided on Sinister Vibes, did you already have an idea of what books you wanted to read or did you kind of do some like poking around and exploring? Um, I kind of looked at what books that I talked about before that were on my TBR and kind of just kind of synthesized for lack of a better term, like what they had in common because I always try to like think about themes and what I want to read if there's anything that fits. You know, you try to make your books count for as many things as possible. So when I was looking at the books that were crime or horror or whatever, this just generally was the idea and the theme that came out from them. So I, I think that's what I reached toward. So basically, in summary, it was subconscious. <laughs> in summary, I'm not entirely sure. There we go. There so we go. I, I feel like it really works, though, because there were a lot of books on both of our TBRs and books that we had read, etc., that really speak to this. And I think that this is something that we've enjoyed, but maybe not articulated this way before. Yeah, I think I think that's a good way to put it. And I know that I knew one. I knew there was a new book that I wanted to read and talk about, and then I had a bunch of books on my on my previously read list. And I had a couple that I'm like, okay, I'm in between these two. And then I ended up picking neither of them. So yeah, no, I, I thought this was, this was a lot, this was a lot of fun. And yeah, sometimes I think, especially when you, you know, when, when you essentially read books for a living, I know you do a lot of podcasts and a lot of audiobook stuff. I do this and I'm a librarian that sometimes it's nice to just kind of take a step back and just be like, and even though we had a specific vibe we were going with, just kind of being like, what am I feeling like right now? What vibes am I picking up? I think that's the way a lot of people, though, look for books as well, is that they look for how a book will make them feel, and that's actually what they want you to recommend to them, but they might not necessarily understand that that's what they're looking for. So people will tell me, well, I really liked how cozy this one was, but I really like the characters in this, and you realize, oh, you just want a book that makes you feel like a cinnamon roll. Here, <laughs> here is a book that makes you feel like a cinnamon roll, and they're like, oh, that's exactly what I was looking for. You know, <laughs> I 100% co-sign this and I am now planning a display at work that's going to say books that make you feel like a cinnamon roll and assume that people will just get it. Yeah. I love this. Yeah. I love this. So <laughs> while I ponder that idea, why don't you go ahead and give us your first pick? Well, these are definitely not like cinnamon roll <laughs> books. So I picked a book that I talked about in a previous episode that I wanted to read but didn't have a chance, and that's Devil House by John Darniel or Darnell? I would pronounce the I. I think John Darniel. Darniel? Okay. So uh, Devil House is really interesting because you have a lot of expectations with the way that the description reads about the book, but it really is not 
It does not describe what this book is. So this book is, I guess, sort of, uh, about Gage Chandler, who is a true crime writer. And he buys this house called Devil House because theoretically it was a place where a bunch of teenagers did some sort of human sacrifice in the 80s, the whole satanic panic or whatever. So he's also written a story about this woman who was attacked in her apartment and killed these two boys. And so that's really where he made his name was talking about this woman that killed these two boys and he wrote a true crime book about it. It became a really like best-selling movie. And so that really made his name. And what this book really is, is a novel discussing who has the right to tell the stories of these horrible acts. What has actually happened? What is the role of the true crime writer? What responsibility does the true crime writer have to the subjects of what he's writing about? And it was really a novel of ideas. It was not a horror novel. It was not a scary novel per se. It was a novel investigating the very understanding that our society has of we are very true crime hungry, right? I think Alice Bolin wrote that excellent essay about dead girls several years ago and our fascination with dead girls. And I feel like this definitely speaks to the same topic of our fascination as a society of true crime. And that's really what this whole novel is all about. Wow, there's like, and this is going to sound really superficial, but I'm like, wow, there's like layers and layers there. And I have a feeling if I had a little bit more sleep and oxygen right now, I'd probably have something a little bit more coherent. But that's really interesting. And I think the or this idea of who has the right to tell the story of these crimes that happen, because like you said, we're, we're such a true crime hungry culture. I think this is something that we're going, you know, we're going to continue to see a lot of this discussion crop up in various ways. But it's interesting because a lot of it is in nonfiction form where we kind of talk about where we kind of talk about this, but then seeing it come up in this fictionalized way is really interesting. Yes. And it's funny that you mentioned about like the layers because this book is definitely layered like an onion in that way. And you peel back the layers, but then you come back to the other side, right? And you go back out again. And so it's a very much this beautiful structure where you have the center of the novel and then it pulls back out. So the first and last sections are both about Gage Chandler, right? And then you have, you know, the second and the next to last are about this woman who killed these two boys, right? And then the third and the third to last are about uh, the teenagers, right? So like, it's a very interesting structure. A lot of thought went into this book, but most of the reviews are annoyed that this isn't a haunted house novel <laughs> or a horror novel, because that's not what it is at all. But that's what it's kind of marketed as. And I'm so confused. <laughs> like, who, like, what's happening? Like, this is a great, like, thought kind of book, but it's not like a horror novel per se. So... I don't know. It's yeah. It's interesting. Yeah, and I and believe me, I have thoughts about in general how stuff is marketed as something that it's not. Don't do not get me started on <laughs> M Night Shyamalan's movie The Village. I'm just saying. <laughs> but yeah, no, I I think that's interesting or and that's good to know I think for readers who are looking to pick this up because for me, I know that 
if I'm going in expecting one thing and I'm not, and then I end up not getting it, that's not, I mean, it doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, that I dislike the book, but it is, it is off-putting. And you, and then you, and you don't, all of a sudden your reading experience all of a sudden is, feels shifted. And you're like, well, wait a minute, I was reading it anticipating this and that never happened. So like, what did I actually experience? So that's, that's good to know because I did have this book on my radar and it definitely sounds like the kind of book that requires some pretty active following along, not, not some, it's something that you really want to make sure that you are present for and paying attention to. So that will be good for me to, as I, you know, figure out what, what I'm vibing at that, at the current moment and see if I'm, I'm, uh, make sure that I, I'm ready for some more, more of a thought provoking type of read. Yeah, and I would definitely first and foremost recommend this true crime lovers because I think that conversation that we've been having around true crime and consuming it, et cetera, is like this novel is actually part of that conversation, which again is interesting. But I have I've gushed about this book and how fascinating it is for too long. So that is Devil <laughs> House by John Darniel. And what is your first pick? Well, my first pick, I believe, I also talked about this one as a book that I was sad I did not get to in 2022, and that is Jackal by Aaron E. Adams, which first off has an amazing cover, and I have gushed about this cover multiple times since I first saw it. It is amazing. But yes, so I picked up this book, and it's funny because I, I went to put a hold on it at work. I'm like, it says it's available. I can't find it on any of the possible shelves where it could be. And I, I posted in our all staff Slack channel. I was like, hey, if any of you see this book, can you keep an eye out for it? I, I need to read it for for our my next podcast episode. And the next day, one of my coworkers was like, I'm sorry, I put it to the side to check out and I forgot to actually check it out. So she let me have it first. And then I finished it and gave it back to her. But anyway, so this book... I read it in two marathon sessions. I read about half of it one night and then realized I really, truly had to go to bed. And then the next night I finished the second half of it. And it is really, really good. And oh, it, yeah, I really enjoyed it, obviously. But so the premise of this book is we have the main character, Liz Roche, and she has come back home to Johnstown, Pennsylvania, which is a real town with um, a real history, which I'll get to in uh, just a minute. But she is she's come back because her best friend is getting married. But Liz has really stayed away from coming home for a while. Her, she and her mother have kind of a contentious relationship. And when Liz was in high school... One of her classmates, who was one of the few other black students in her, actually in the entire school, she was taken during a party in the woods and was found brutally murdered about a week later. And so Liz has just really tried to stay away from all of this. And um, at the wedding... So she's she's a bridesmaid. Everything the wedding wedding goes off, and her her best it's her best friend who is getting married to her longtime partner, and they have a uh, nine or ten year old daughter named Caroline. And Liz's friend is white. Her new husband is black. Um, so Caroline is black as well. And in the middle of the 
reception, which is at this, it's um, on this wooded property. There's a barn and there's a cleared area, but it's right along the edge of the woods. During the reception, Caroline goes missing. And so now Liz is brought into this police investigation and as she's trying to find help them find Caroline, Caroline is her goddaughter, and she's really, really concerned about what's happened to her. And as she is trying to figure out, like, where did Caroline go? Like, you know, that she it's like she disappeared without a trace. Liz starts realizing that, you know, it's not just Caroline, and it's not just her um her classmate from, you know, 15, 20 years ago who went missing or who went missing and then turned up murdered there's a whole history of black girls being they go towards the woods and then all of a sudden they disappear and then several days or a week later they show up they, they turn up again but they're dead and their hearts are missing so you're like what is going on here and like this whole town the whole town kind of has an idea that something's happening. Like they have a saying where it's something, it's something along the lines of like, if you think you see something, no, you didn't like that. Just kind of like mind your own business. Don't look at what's happening. And, but this stuff just keeps happening. So Liz is trying to investigate, you know, what's going on. She's finding herself pulled into the investigation in ways that she doesn't want. And she's also having to contend with the town's, history of explicit or subversive racism that's happening as well. And the author has such an amazing writing style. It's almost like, despite the sinister storyline, it's almost lyrical. And it's just, it's so evocative. And she does such an amazing job of portraying the nuanced ways in which black girls and black women are treated differently, treated poorly, and how history can insinuate itself into modern into how things are set up in modern day and how that affects different things. Like there this is a book with layers as well. And it's so interesting and it's something that I think really really deserves a second read. It's also it's a good mystery like I have a lot of respect for an author who can present you with a mystery and give you like multiple plausible explanations, possible explanations of what's happening and who's who's involved. And so you're never really sure, you know, what's happening. You think you have a handle on it, but then, oh, no, wait a minute, maybe not. And I think she did a really good job with this. And after you read the book, there are a couple of moments in the book where they talk about the history of the town. And then the author has a note at the end saying that both of these things actually, you know, really happened. There was a really, um, there was a really bad flood in the late 1800s that really devastated the town and changed the way that the town was organized, where people ended up living. And it was also due to the mismanagement of their dam structure because the area where the the town was bankrolled by these really wealthy white people that would summer there, but they didn't really maintain it. And so when, you know, stuff happened, they never experienced any consequences because to them it was just, oh, it's just our summer home. But for other people that were there, it was, you know, their, their entire lives were destroyed. And it, oh, there's just so much interesting history here. And now I'm going on and just blabbering <laughs> about this book, but it is so, so good. And it's, 
yeah, there, there's so much layered into this story. And yeah, it is it is fantastic. <laughs> well, it sounds amazing. So just need to bump that up my TBR. <laughs> yeah. And like I said, it was a it was a fast read. Like the the like I said, the writing style is almost lyrical where you want you're trying to hang on to every word, but you still keep turning the pages. And yeah, and I am going to just cut myself off there before I start giving away too much and take up more time in the episode. But yeah, highly recommend this one. This is Jackal by Aaron E. Adams. All right. And then uh, before we jump to your next pick, Kendra, let's go ahead and pause for our second sponsor. All right. Take it away, Kendra. All right. So forgive me if you can also hear Dylan's opinions in the background. I have no idea what he and Glenn are fussing about, but they've been arguing all day over a guacamole bowl that has tiny chips, uh, a little avocado, and a lime that's stuffed inside. And so they've been carrying them around. And anyway, that was free. You're welcome, everyone. (laughs) So my second pick is Bad Cree by Jessica Johns. And this is a novel, a debut novel by Jessica Johns, who is Cree. And so we start with um, Mackenzie. She wakes up in her apartment in Vancouver, and she has a dead crow's head in her hands. Then it disappears, and she kind of freaks out. She's been having these weird dreams for a while about these crows that are in her dreams, and there's, like, very sinister vibes. Like, she's describing the feeling she has. So she has so many dreams, she crawls up her aunties, and, and she's like, hey, this is happening, and so her aunties tell her to come home. So she goes home and she kind of has to face her family because what we learn, not a spoiler, it's on the description, um, is that her sister died a year before, but she didn't go and attend the funeral. So her something that looks like her sister, but like super evil is showing up in her dreams and she feels like maybe she needs to make amends, like she doesn't know. So she goes home and kind of has to deal with the loss of her sister and still the loss of of her kokum, of her grandmother who died a few years before. So there's a lot of grief in the family. And I think that this novel is a very um, excellent commentary on the horror novel because a lot of times we see horror breaking up families, right? When we have this horrible thing that's happened, you have all the families turned upside down. You discover their secrets the parents are having and the teenage girl becomes one of the final girls and you have all of this destruction that happens to a family because of the horrific event in a horror novel, right? But this novel turns that on its head and it's a very family-focused, a very women-focused indigenous community there. And it, and it kind of, you feel a lot of strength from the family as they face this thing together. And I don't want to say anything else because spoilers but it was just so well done and such a great commentary on the genre. I think that's the, the sub-theme of my books is they're, comment- <laughs> they're commenting on the genre that they're in and they have opinions. <laughs> and uh, they have sinister vibes and opinions. The show title. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> so, yeah, no, I have seen Bad Cree just everywhere. It's, you know, at the library. It's uh, It's been on every, like, early 2023 buzzy book list that you can possibly come up with, horror-specific or not. So it's, it sounds like it's, it lives up to that hype and, bring, and just kind of brings something new. 
Yes, and it is narrated, at, the audiobook is narrated by Tanis Parento, which is one of my favorite narrators, but she is also Cree. So it, I think from a different uh, band of Cree, a different nation of the Cree people, but it, it really fits really well. And I really appreciate how they're looking to find as close as possible own voices as the author when it comes to audiobook narrators for this book. And it's just really well done. And I... I loved it. I thought it was such a great story. It was a great time. It was super creepy, but it wasn't super descriptive and violent about certain things. There's a lot of stuff that happened off, not off screen, off the page, like they would discuss things. And I really appreciated that this was a book that I could enjoy as someone who does. I mean, I'm a bit of a weenie, but it also had those sinister vibes that I was looking for. So, but again, lots of dead crows, just FYI. But yes, so that is Bad Cree by Jessica Johns. Love it. Would recommend. Please find me and let's talk about it. I need to talk about it with someone. Just <laughs> All right. I'll make a note to bump that up on my list. So <laughs> but so when we're not recording, we can, we can chat. Definitely. So my second pick is one that I have mentioned a few times on this show before, but I have not talked about it in a while. And this book is nothing but but vibes, just nothing but sinister vibes. And that is See What I Have Done by Sarah Schmidt. And this book is a, essentially, if you boil it down to just the simplest description, it is a fictionalized account of the Liz, of the Borden murders, the Lizzie Borden murders in 1892 in Fall River, Massachusetts. And the book starts before the Bordens have been killed and it's it's the day of and it's told in the the writing style is told in a way that's very it's both fragmented and it's very visceral it, like I know Kendra you and I were talking about this and you and I had a similar reading experience when we read this you feel hot and sweaty and just kind of greasy and dirty when you read it like it there are certain writers that really capture that in a way that you don't notice at first until you're reading it. You're like, oh, gosh, I just I feel like I need to shower. Yeah. But it is (laughs) like it's there. If you read this book, you can't go in looking for a for a linear storyline. It's just not going to happen. It's told from different points of view. You have Lizzie's perspective, obviously. You have the perspective of her older sister, Emma. You have the perspective of their maid, Bridget, an enigmatic stranger named Benjamin who comes in. And the story is told based on, you know, facts that we know from the reports and from the newspapers of the time. It's It has, it incorporates, you know, like there are so many theories about what actually happened and, you know, even today, we still don't know exactly what happened. And so this story is written less as a way to, you know, get at the heart of what actually happened, but really, I think, evoke a sense of time, a sense of place of a very specific family that in this story, there is a lot of dysfunction and stuff going on behind the scenes that they're that other people may not be aware of immediately. These stories start to come out after the police come to investigate the murders, and then they talk to Lizzie, and then her story changes. So it's a very, 
it's a very slippery kind of story. You're never able to really pin it down, but the the vibes from this book are very, very strong. And I loved it. It was, I was just along for the ride. It was super fascinating. And just, I did not intend for this to happen, but I finished reading the book went right at a time when I was, I spent a long weekend out in Rhode Island and the people I was with, we actually visited the Lizzie Borden house. And so I finished reading the book like right around, like right after I finished or right after we toured the house. That was incredible because it grounded the story in a way that it just would not have happened otherwise because I was like reading this story that I was like, oh my gosh, I was there. Like I saw their kitchen. I, you know, I touched the same doorknob because apparently all of the same like doorknobs and fixtures and stuff in the house are original to the house. So I was like, I just used the same doorknob that Lizzie Borden used. Oh my gosh. Oh my stars. Yeah. It was, it just, the timing just worked out, just worked out that way. And so that added another just another level, and I think another reason why I love this book so much. Now, I'm not saying that everyone has to go tour the Lizzie Borden house in order to fully appreciate the story, but I really connected with this story. And yeah, like like I said, nothing like this book is just vibes in a hardcover packaging. One hundred percent. Like I, I lived in the South my entire adult life, and I felt like. It was a hot day and I was stuck outside that that whole book and the broth, the broth, I'll never forget that broth on the stove. Just, oh. Yeah, they keep, yeah, they keep eating this broth. It's making sick and I'm like, oh. For days. And they leave it open on the stove. I'm like, no wonder you all got sick, honey. It's like. (laughs) Yeah, there's, um, (laughs) yeah, there, there, I will, I will say, um, if the, um, effects of someone eating, a, an animal-based food product that's been sitting out for for days. If the effects of them doing that, and then the effects on their body, is something that would uh, be upsetting for you to read, just keep that in mind. It's not, <laughs> it's not the driving point of the story, but it happens enough where I was like, okay, okay, we don't need to hear any more about this broth that they keep eating. Just go make some new broth. But it adds to the sinister vibes, you know? Oh, like- it really does. That is one of the key parts that makes it very visceral. But yeah, I know that I tend, depending on the story, I tend to be more sensitive in that area. This book, I, w- I was able to go with it, but I know some people are more sensitive to that type of thing. So uh, consider that a quasi-trigger warning for, for this book. But yeah, it was just, yeah, it, it was just such a fascinating read. And then to kind of take the tour through the house and then compare it to the book. And yeah, so this was, this was like reading experience taken to like 11. <laughs> <laughs> so you don't have to do that. Although if any of you want to, want to try to, try to do that, it, it was, it was a really cool experience. But, yeah. So again, yeah, that book is See What I Have Done by Sarah Schmidt. All right. Well, and now we move to our new books, which is very exciting. Um, shall I go first for the... Yeah. Why don't you give us a little bit of a palate cleanser? <laughs> I have that. I am here for us. Okay. So a book that uh, came out on February 7th um, is Harriet Spies. Now, this is not to be confused with Harriet the Spy, different Harriet. Similar precociousness, it sounds like. 
So Harriet Spies is a sequel to Just Harriet, and it's about Harriet, who is a young girl who lives on Marble Island uh, with her grandmother, um, and her grandmother has a bed and breakfast. Marble Island is off the coast of California. So we have a lot of cozy mystery vibes. This is a middle grade novel, and it's really just her running around solving crimes. I mean, that's, that's basically it, but it is delightful. You have Matzo Ball, her, um, her cat, her grandmother's basset hound named Money Penny, and they just run around. And now maybe, maybe not solve crime per se, solve mysteries about that. That's a bit less more what reality is here. Let's be <laughs> honest. She is a, a little girl in a middle grade novel, but it is delightful. And that is the vibe. If you want a cinnamon roll book, choose Harriet. Harriet every time. Um, so it'll, as all the books will be linked in the show notes, but you have to go see the covers. They feature the cat and the basset hound, and they just, it's its so cute. <laughs> I just can't get over the cat's name is Matzo Ball. That is just such a cute name for a cat. <laughs> it really is. If you're going to name your cat after a food product, go for it. And that's the cat is like round, right? So like the cat is kind of... Rotund. <laughs> yes, one might say. So like, it's adorable. So go check out the covers, please. This is quite the palate cleanser, isn't it? <laughs> oh my goodness! Okay, so what's your um, new book release that you want to talk about? Oh, I'm bringing it. I'm bringing it oh. all the way back to darkest. <laughs> I end. gave it a good effort. Good yeah, effort. no, that's why I said palate cleanser. But I'm I'm just bringing us all the way back. I uh, can't help myself. So my pick, uh, which also is out on February seventh, is "Such Pretty Flowers" by K. L. Sarah. And this is a dark Southern, queer Southern Gothic. It takes place in Savannah, which I am always a sucker for that locale, but more so since we visited Savannah last year and I felt completely fell in love with the city. So I was really excited about this one. So (laughs) you have Holly. She has a brother named Dane. And... The last text message that she receives from him before he is found dead says, get it out of me. And automatically I'm like, oh, I know. (laughs) I told you, I'm I'm bringing it back, (laughs) bringing it back to the sinister here. And so he is found in his girlfriend's townhouse. His girlfriend's name is Mara. And he is found, the description says, cleaved open. And somehow the police say that he died by suicide. But Holly's like, "Mm, I'm pretty sure something else happened. And there was another message that he sent earlier that night about some kind of game that Mara wanted to play, but she doesn't know anything else about it. So determined to discover what's going on, Holly begins to follow slash maybe stalk Mara, who is a florist with a penchant for carnivorous plants. So we'll just throw that in there. But as Holly, so Holly starts off thinking, okay, I'm going to figure out, I'm going to investigate Mara myself. But this very quickly turns into a fixation where Holly finds herself just irresistibly attracted to Mara's social circle, which is basically Savannah's high society and the, you know, and a sense that there is something much darker happening here. And so Holly is basically feeling this very dark attraction to the one person that she really should not trust. And so she basically has to come to, you know, she's left with one choice 
where she has to figure out what happened to her brother or potentially meet his same fate. So this book just feels like it's got everything in it. And it just feels like a dark yet escapist high society queer gothic thriller. Southern Gothic thriller. Like, that's really what this book seems like it encompasses. And I saw the description and I am like, I am here for it. And I also don't think I've ordered a copy of this book for our library. So I will be doing that post haste (laughs) and putting myself on the hold list for it. And again, that is called Such Pretty Flowers by K.L. Sarah. Well, I'm excited for that. I used to live right by Savannah. It makes me so excited. And whenever I see... I see books where I have actually been, and maybe it's because I grew up in the middle of nowhere and never read about places I had been before, but I still get very excited, so. No, I do too, and sometimes to the point of distraction. Like, there are a couple of times I've read books that where there's a sm- at least a small part of the book that takes place very, very close to where I grew up, and I can't even focus on the story because I'm just like, I've, I've driven past there. I've, you know, that, I grew up there. So I'm the same way. And as we take more vacations to different places, <laughs> that problem just gets exponentially worse. <laughs> Well, it's another sign to support regional literature. I will step away from that that delightful soapbox. Anyone wants to hear about it, I have an article going up on Book Riot at some point here in the near future. All about it. So go pick up regional literature, support your local authors, bookstores and libraries. Okay, I'm going to add that to our, our outro. All right, friends, that is our show. Thank you so much for joining us for all of the Sinister Vibes and Opinions. Of course, many, many thanks to our wonderful sound editor, Jen Zink, who makes uh, us and Dylan and Gwen sound the best that we can. We really appreciate it. To see our show notes, you can head over to bookriot.com slash listen. Of course, all the books will be linked there, etc. And for more book recommendations and bookish goodness, head over to bookriot.com. And don't forget to check out all of our podcasts at bookriot.com slash listen, or just search Book Riot on your podcast player of choice. There is a wonderful selection there. If you want to send us an email with feedback or show suggestions, you can reach us at redordead at bookriot.com. Otherwise, you can find me, Kendra, on Twitter and Instagram at KD as in Dylan Winchester. You can find Katie on Twitter at KTT as in tiny uh, underscore library lady and those will of course be linked as well to make it easier on everyone and we will talk to you all next time bye